If you were a child of the 80s, you will remember probably your mom or your mom's friend going on something called the grapefruit diet. Well, today we're discussing the grapefruit diet. We're going to go over some potential benefits, potential concerns, and key takeaways. All the nutrition information out there today, everything's conflicting, completely confusing. How are we supposed to be healthy if even the experts can't agree? This is Outspoken Nutrition. I'm your host, Laura Timbrook, and we're going to break it all down. I always find it interesting how diets, especially older diets, tend to circle back after a while. Now, we haven't seen the resurgence of the grapefruit diet, but because mom jeans are back in style and so is neon, I'm thinking grapefruit diet might all of a sudden start hitting the news. So maybe I will be the trendsetter on this. No, but what we're going to discuss today is the grapefruit diet, what it is, some potential benefits, some potential concerns, and we're going to go over some key takeaways. So let's get right into it and talk about what the grapefruit diet is. Well, just as the name says, it includes grapefruit. Now, To give you a little bit of history on the grapefruit diet, the grapefruit diet actually came up in the 30s and was kind of called the Hollywood diet. It was a way to lose weight really fast, which is so much how most diets get started, but it was a way for people to lose weight really fast. And over the years, there's been some variations of it. The grapefruit diet really made a resurgence again back in the 80s, and it was like lose 10 pounds in 10 days. So... Let's take a look about what the original grapefruit diet was. It's a low-calorie, low-carb diet. So you generally will have between 800 to 1,000 calories. That's pretty low. Your carb intake is also pretty low. Now, some variations of the diet restrict carbs more. Others don't. But when we talk about what the grapefruit diet was, it was naturally a low-carb diet before they called it a low-carb diet. You had moderate fat. Actually, for breakfast, you had a half a grapefruit or four ounces of grapefruit juice. Then you followed it up with two eggs and two pieces of bacon. So it was not a low-fat diet. It was probably pretty much a moderate-fat diet. And same thing with protein. It wasn't a low-protein diet. It was definitely a moderate-protein diet. I mean, you're having two eggs, two slices of bacon. I believe lunch was, again, the same amount of grapefruit. And then it was a salad. And then dinner was a green vegetable, still your grapefruit juice. Right before bedtime, it would have you either drink a half a cup of low-fat milk or a half a cup of tomato juice. And we're going to actually talk about why one of the keys to that was that juice before bedtime and why it probably actually made a really big difference on how they were able to eat such a low calorie diet. It was really famous in the 30s, became famous again in the 80s. So we're probably pretty much on track for this to become pretty famous again. But let's talk about the potential benefits of the diet. Now, the diet did promote eating whole foods. It didn't want packaged foods. It didn't want sugar. All of these things are just good markers of a healthy diet, eating whole foods, limiting processed foods, and reducing refined sugars. That's not bad dietary information to follow. You know, and you think about it, you're eating one and a half grapefruits a day because you would eat half a grapefruit each meal, which 
really when we look at the dietary guidelines, we want about one and a half to two pieces of fruit every day. So again, it's not, when we look at it that way, it's not necessarily bad. We're eating fruit and I know so many of us might not be eating fruit on a regular basis. The thought was that the grapefruit actually helps burn fat. There's been studies that actually say it really doesn't. But I think what does help reduce weight is hydrating because now we're drinking grapefruit juice or eating a fruit that has a high water content. And really, when we're making healthier choices, we naturally will drink more water, we'll eat healthier food. So there is that symbiotic effect that kind of happens. You know, and we're increasing our fiber intake. We're eating fruit. We're eating vegetables. You know, there's two meals of vegetables with the salad and the vegetable at night that a lot of us naturally aren't eating. And it really helps break bad eating habits. I mean, really, when we're talking about getting away from all those negative foods, it's really breaking us away from those negative habits, having your muffins, your bagels, you know, all those refined processed foods that we know we shouldn't be eating. So this is kind of, this diet's kind of forcing you to eat this. You know, and it's interesting when I looked at the original diet and it talked about the milk at night or the fruit or the vegetable juice. And it's interesting because if any of you are familiar with the RP diet, one of the things that they do, and for those of you that are not familiar with the RP diet, it is really a sports athlete way of eating. It's a diet that a lot of high-level athletes will follow and it has some phenomenal results to it. But one of the things they talk about in that diet is having casein protein at night. Well, casein is the protein in milk. So when you have that half a cup of milk every night, you're actually filling your body up and you have either the low-fat milk or the tomato juice. The other thing that's adding is glycogen to your liver. That will help you to sleep longer. Now, you don't have a big cal- caloric intake. It's actually really low. But when we're having something at night, and a lot of times when we go on low-calorie diets, we actually see our sleep disrupt. And one of the reasons is, is that our liver is at a glycogen that signals the whole wake process. You know, when we have that milk at night, it's actually giving us that casein protein. It's going to allow our body to kind of sustain more of a substantial sleep. It's giving us a little bit of sugar to make our liver happy. So that's one of the key takeaways on this, especially when you're doing a low carb diet. It was probably one of the biggest things in this that when we look at that on why it was as successful as it was and why it keeps coming back. Now, I'm not saying it's successful in retaining weight loss because one thing we know is any of these low carb diets, the 10 pound, 10 days, the 15 pounds in two weeks, all of those super fast diets, they're not sustainable. It will get you in a wedding dress. It will get you if you're doing a photo shoot, but it's not going to sustain it. It's going to come back on pretty quickly if you're not gradually adding in more food. So it's probably decently good at what it is. I don't, I wouldn't recommend this to anybody because again, it's, you know, you're pretty low on calories, but I think there's ways to make this work. And we're actually going to talk about that in the key takeaways. How can we take a grapefruit style diet, put it into our overall way of eating and make it sustainable and healthy? Now, some of the cons around this diet is the fact that it is really low on calories. You know, there's been so much that 
a lot of people need about 12 to 1500 calories, especially if you're a woman. I've seen so many women do better with more calories as long as they're following a whole food type diet. So everybody's caloric burn is differently. There's ways and dietitians can tell you how to measure it or sports nutritionists can show you how to measure it. But for a lot of us, 800 to 1,000 calories is not enough to really sustain our energy. You'll probably feel pretty weak on this diet. You know, and Anytime diet kind of takes a lot of food away, which the grapefruit diet kind of does. Now there's a version of the grapefruit diet that you eat whatever you want. You just have that half a grapefruit or four ounces of grapefruit juice before every meal. And that was supposed to help you lose weight too. And you know, it probably almost in a way does because you're again, you're having fruit, you're having fiber. And you're also focusing on eating a healthier food, so you're more likely to make healthier decisions or be more conscious of when you're stopping eating. So there is that effect that's going on as well. But the grapefruit diet, really, I would put it in that food-fearing diet category because you're almost afraid to eat off that diet for the most part, if you're following the original version. So I don't like when diets cut food out. You know, while some food might be healthier than other foods, you know, we know cupcakes are not a healthy choice, but it is a fun choice. Listen, if I'm going to a birthday party, do not hand me half a grapefruit. I want birthday cake. The other thing we have to realize is that while they do have some protein, for some people, this could cause an effect on their blood sugar. You know, everybody handles blood sugar a little bit differently when it comes to food. We're going to, I'll In a second, I'll talk about the glycemic index and how that works, but it's not a foolproof method. So for some people, grapefruits might be great, but for other people, it actually might spike their blood sugar. They don't feel good. Now, keep in mind, they are having you pair the grapefruits with a protein, so that's going to stabilize a little bit better, but it doesn't mean that grapefruit is good for everybody. You know, and one of the things we know with grapefruit is it interacts with medication, and this is probably one of the biggest points of this whole thing and one of the things that kind of concern me the most. While grapefruits are great, they taste good, I love them in a good Paloma, grapefruits are known to interact with over 80 medications. So I wanna make this very clear. If you are taking a medication and you are thinking about adding grapefruit into your diet on a regular basis, you need to talk to your doctor. This is extremely important because Grapefruit has been known to affect medications and your doctors have to take that into account. Talk to your doctors. Listen, they'll probably tell you not to do it because it's a little bit difficult to monitor that medication when they know grapefruits are in the mix. Maybe they'll suggest having half an apple. I mean, you could really get probably very similar benefits, if not actually probably a little bit better of a benefit because of pectin and how pectin works in the body than actually doing the grapefruit. So if you like this idea and you're talking to your doctor and they're like, definitely don't do this, then If you wanted to start adding in a half an apple at each meal, that's not necessarily going to be a bad thing. So talk to your doctor if you're taking any kind of medications because you need to be careful when it comes to grapefruit. You know, and also when we talk about weight, listen, if you're gonna lose weight this fast, you're gonna, it's gonna come back on. It's not gonna retain the weight that you've actually lost. You know, and going back to when we talk about that glycemic index. So the glycemic index really helps us find out what 
food affects our blood sugar differently. Now, the way they've measured this is they extracted the fiber from certain foods and they gave them 50 grams of that food and monitored their blood sugar. Now, one thing we know is everybody is different. So why the glycemic index gave us a basic understanding, it's not an end-all be-all. Also, we doesn't take into account quantity. So for 50 grams of beets, you would be eating a shit ton of beets. No one's ever going to eat that many beets to affect our blood sugar in that way. So real life scenario really didn't play out. Now there is a really cool trend coming up and I'm going to in the next, I think, couple weeks, I'm actually going to have a guest on the podcast that's going to talk about this, but it's called biohacking. And one of the big things with biohacking is it they take a look at blood sugar. Now, this is the biggest trend coming out is looking at blood sugar and how your body metabolizes it to increase your metabolism of certain foods. If you've listened to any of the episodes I've had with Lynn Janae, Lynn Janae Recetus and her metabolism plan has been preaching this forever. And that is everybody is different on a certain food. One person's food that is great for them, another person doesn't do good on it. And what we're finding out, a lot of that is a telltale sign is through blood sugar, how your blood sugar spikes. So why glycemic index gives us a base model, it's not the end all be all. One of the biggest things that a lot of health and fitness gurus right now are doing is they're hooking themselves up to those glucose monitors and they can monitor in real time their sugar on how their body interacts with that. And some of the data coming out of this is really exciting. It's one of the things that I'm actually really excited about is seeing this because for the first time, we're really starting to see that scientific data on how food affects everybody differently. And our glucose is one of the numbers that will tell us if we're gonna burn it, we're gonna store it, how we're gonna do it, this, it's kind of really exciting time. Let's go over some of the key takeaways for this diet. Now, one of the things is, the first thing is adding in fruit is not a bad idea, unless you're already on a pretty high fruit diet. But for most of us, we don't eat fruit on a daily basis. So adding in fruit on a daily basis is a good thing to follow. It's also a good thing to reduce your processed foods, to reduce the sugar intake, and really focus on whole foods. None of that is bad advice. It's all solid advice. More fruits, more veggies, less processed food. That's what every dietary professional, for the most part, unless you're a carnivore, will tell you is what you really want to look for. You know, and also the grapefruit diet takes away that snacking. You are really having your three meals a day and then that drink at night. So it's not leading it open to a lot of snacking. And again, snacking is one of those downfalls. So when we look at downfalls of diets, and I'm not saying diets as in, you know, written diets. I'm just thinking of everyday people, just the way they eat diet form is a lot of times our bad habits come from processed food, too much sugar, too much snacking, not enough movement. That's really the crux of everything. So it's taking out the snacking. You're not snacking. You're having your three meals and that bedtime. You know, and it's really stopping you 
with the eating after dinner. This is kind of big because you're not having those movie snacks sitting on the TV and it really goes back to that whole snacking thing. So, you know, it's even interesting when we look at intermittent fasting, what a lot of people don't realize is they think intermittent fasting is this new great thing. No, intermittent fasting is what our grandmother has been telling us when they say stop eating after dinner. You know, we are naturally doing that intermittent fasting idea just because we're no longer eating after dinner. So there is some solid information. Now, again, if you are finding yourself on a lower carb diet, maybe a lower calorie diet and having problems sleeping at night, you can try having a small glass of milk or a spoonful of yogurt and see if eating that casein helps. You could try a small chunk of cheese. All of that can help. But really, when we start poor sleep habits, really what we want to start doing is monitoring the foods that we're eating through the day. Um, Maybe increasing our caloric intake or increasing our carb intake. I see a lot of sleep issues that happen on low-carb diets. But It's all just ways of healthy eating. So would I recommend anybody to go on the grapefruit diet? No, not necessarily. And one of the other things to keep in mind is that if you're eating the same foods every day, and we're actually going to be talking about this next week when we talk about the Groundhog Day diet, when you eat the same foods every day, you're more likely to react. I always tell my clients, you know, food is kind of one of those things. If you abuse it, you lose it. I've seen so many people that have gotten gluten sensitivities or lactose sensitivities or casein sensitivities, and it's really because they've either eaten too much gluten, too much cheese, or have been a big milk drinker. So we want to rotate our diet on a daily basis. So maybe one of the key takeaways is that before every meal, you add a half a serving of fruit, whether it's a half an apple you know, a couple blueberries, maybe some grapes, a small piece of banana to add in that additional fiber. And again, eating that fruit on a daily basis adds so much health benefits. There's so many vitamins and minerals that come from the fruit that we often miss out on when we're not including a balanced diet of fruit and veggies. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I will talk to you all next week. And don't forget to eat your effing veggies.